This is the Coffee Commune podcast, where the coffee community comes to collaborate, showcasing today another of our Coffee Commune members. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Coffee Commune podcast. My name's Rehan. I'm the general manager for International Coffee Traders, and I'm one of the hosts for the Coffee Commune podcast. On the show today, we've got Ben Ryan from Hill House Partners, specializing in legal services. Make sure to listen to the end of the episode because Ben's got a really cool offer for a half an hour consultation. So if you want to find out how to get a free half an hour consultation with Ben, listen to the end of the show. He'll tell us a little bit more. Ben, thanks for being on. Thanks very much, Ray. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you here. Give us a quick snapshot of what you and the business does. Yeah, look, Hill House has been around for about 30 years. We practice in all practice areas other than criminal law, essentially. My background is in corporate commercial advisory and helping all businesses from incorporation to liquidation. Yes, I did think about that line for quite some time before I put it on my bio. Uh, but look, I think it works. And fortunately, I spend more time on the incorporation side than the liquidation. So that's that's much more enjoyable. Okay, that sounds like a lot of legal language straight off the bat. Can we make that really simple for a second? Who are the people that would use you the most? Yep. Essentially, it's the, the mum and dad businesses all the way through to your big international corporates. So the easiest way to think about lawyers is there's no problem too big or too small. It's just the problem that you don't talk to us about that's going to really bite you. <laughs> so talk to us early and talk to us often is a lot easier. So I'm guessing at some point, every business would require legal services or legal advice. I guess, how do you go about doing that? What's the best thing for people to do straight off the bat when they require services? Yeah, look, we've worked with a few members of the commune now already, which is really exciting given that we're still relatively early days here. But look, with those clients, we've certainly said to them when we've had that initial chat, look, we appreciate that you've got this awesome idea. We want to help you get it to fruition and help see it grow into what's going to be a fantastic business. Before we get the cart before the horse, let's sit down with yourself and your accountants and let's have a nice roundtable conference to figure out how we get you from your idea to opening doors and actually starting that business. So you actually bring the accountants into this conversation as well? Look, we find it's best to sit down with the accountants. There's a, a lot of value to add with sitting in a room with a bunch of accountants and a bunch of lawyers when you're just starting a business. A lot of people might say that that sounds like their worst nightmare, but <laughs> it is actually a good idea because accounts are going to be the best place to tell you what structures and tax advantages you can use for your business. And we're going to be the ones that actually draw up the documents for you. So you're getting everyone in the room that needs to be there to help get you on your way. I can imagine that must be quite a confronting process for business owners who are about to launch an idea. They're about to sit down with a lawyer and an accountant. And I think the perception might be that you guys are going to poke holes in my idea. No, no, no way at all. That's um, completely the opposite. It's great. Look, the best thing about my job is that I get to actually help businesses get off the ground. And we just look at how we can avoid those holes from coming into your business and potentially sinking the ship. Because, look, I've acted on matters from everything from incorporation to liquidation, as I say, so start up to to the end. And the one thing I would say to clients is if you talk to lawyers early, and we can actually help you out and make sure that you're going to be setting the business up properly, you're going to be employing people properly, you're going to be getting that premises tidied and all ready to go schmick and span, then 
we can help you out there. But if you try and do it yourself, you might end up down the wrong road and it's a lot more difficult and a lot more expensive to get you back on track. So if you talk to us early with those accountants, yes, it can be a bit ominous, but we are actually there to help you out. That's the main goal and we'll do that as best we can. Okay, so let's pick a couple of examples, maybe say uh, someone who's in food manufacturing or coffee roasting versus a cafe owner versus a supplier of powders and syrups and things. All of these businesses, would they have like a common thread of things that they need to consider before they get off the ground or are they very individual with their requirements? Look, it's definitely each of those businesses is going to have separate things. If you're the, the cafe, you're going to be dealing with the suppliers and going to be negotiating a lot of agreements to make sure that you have the, the food and the drink and everything else to actually get your business up and running. But the one thing that almost every hospitality business has in common is they all have employees usually and they all have premises that they're trading from. So if you're looking to sign a lease or if you're looking to buy a property, a lot of people think that that's a relatively straightforward process, but there are some some hidden tricks and trades of the of the property industry where they can catch you out. And look, certainly agents are very helpful and they're very good at what they do, but it does help to have that legal eye run over the documents as well and just make sure that there's no hidden traps within those documents that might catch you out. And look, I've reviewed thousands of leases in my time and I'm still relatively young and I can see a good one from a bad one pretty much straight away. So there's a lot of things that those businesses won't necessarily think about, but they're all usually quite common. I think legal documents can be quite intimidating. They have a lot of material in them and they have a lot of things that not everyone understands in terms of terminology What are the things sort of just to look out for from a broad perspective? Look, probably, I mean, leases at one level, if you're giving personal guarantees, you may not necessarily have a way of getting around that. But if you've got a corporate entity that's taking the lease and you're giving personal guarantees, you may be unnecessarily exposing yourself to risk at home. No one wants to obviously default on a lease, but if you default on a lease with a personal guarantee, then your personal house is potentially in the crosshairs. So we like to try and negotiate that if we can. But also, I mean, there's rent incentives to be found at the moment. Lots of landlords are out there looking to fill up their premises. So it's a great time to be trying to take a new lease or renegotiate on an exercise of an option. There's a lot of incentives to be found if you know what you're looking for. And also with just general contract reviews, I think there's, uh, people have told me there's something a bit wrong with me because I enjoy reading through all the contracts and everyone says that's a weird thing, you shouldn't enjoy reading through these things. But look, I know that there's almost always at least one clause in a contract that is going to be unfavourable for the other party. So it's always nice to find that one and say to the client, look, this is a a bit of a hidden trip. I'm glad we picked up on it and we're going to save you a bit of money because we found it. And that can just be, you know, anything from penalty clauses if someone defaults on a payment that might be completely unfair all the way through to just, as I say, exposing personal assets under an, an agreement unnecessarily. Okay, so it sounds like what you're trying to do is just shed light on where the exposures are what the risks are and what the dangers are and what the possible upside is as well. Yeah, exactly. Look, it's not my job's not all just doom and gloom of here's all the trips and traps for you. We also like to help out and negotiate better terms. I mean, you can have a contract where you say, look, I think this is a, a really good deal and we can say we reckon you can do better and help you get to that stage, particularly if we're you know negotiating with 
suppliers or whatever it may be that we've dealt with before. We know how far we can push them and you may not necessarily know how far you can push them if you're new to the industry and trying to push around a couple of people. So look, it's it's definitely interesting. It's not all doom and gloom, I promise. And it's not actually that terrifying a process. Yeah, I guess it's a common misconception or it's a common thread of thinking and ideas that oh, I'm in a crisis or I'm in a, I'm in a bit of a jam, I think I need to get legal advice. And that's usually the first time that you'll probably get a call. You probably deal with a lot of that. Yeah, look, that's the greatest problem and that we face in the legal industry, I think, is that clients usually avoid coming to lawyers because there's a perception of us being very expensive, very painful to deal with and very stressful to deal with. And then Clients avoid us and they come to us when they're having a dispute or having issues. And rather than talking us to us early, they come to us and they say, oh my God, I'm in this massive problem. Can you please help me out? And usually that's when we go, all right, well, yes, this is going to be expensive. This is going to be painful and you're not going to enjoy this process, but we've got to get you out of this. And at the end of it, they say, that's exactly what I thought it would be. I'm never talking to a lawyer again. And look, that's the horror stories where we pull out and we say, we've just done a shareholders dispute where the fees are $80,000 or so and clients are having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy out shareholders that they no longer get along with because the business can't survive with them in it. And we say to them, look, you know, did you get a shareholders agreement when you guys were all going into business together? And they always say, you know, oh, no, we didn't think we needed it because we were all friends at the time and we all got on really well and we all understood what the business would be doing. And look, unless you're, unless you're going into business with your partner, as in your wife, husband, whatever it may be, there's probably a pretty good need for you to have a shareholders agreement because the primary purpose of one is to outline the terms of how the, the entity is going to operate. And that includes how the entity operates when there's a dispute which means, you know, is someone buying out the other person and what is that purchase price? And if that that isn't reduced to writing, that's when lawyers come in and it gets much, much, much more expensive and you end up paying triple essentially for what you should be paying, if not much, much more. So look, we do shareholders agreements for a few thousand dollars, which is quite a good benefit when you pitch it in that way of, look, you can spend 80 wow. to 100 grand on your shareholders <laughs> dispute each or as well as paying the the settlement amount, or you can spend a few thousand dollars with us on the front end and get it all done properly and clearly so that when it comes time to that dispute, you pull out the document and you say, hey guys, here's this document that sets out exactly how we're going to settle this dispute and it's a much quicker and less painful process. I guess on the human side, we don't need a, a written agreement because we trust each other. And if I demand something in writing, does that mean that I don't trust you? Look, I don't think so. I've, I've had this conversation with a few people of, oh, we don't want to get a shareholders agreement or we don't want to reduce it to writing because, you know, we all get on well and we don't want to rock the boat. And look, I understand that to a to a certain extent. So how do you handle that conversation? It's more so a pitch of, look, we appreciate that you guys all get along well and that everyone's on the same table. We're not trying to ruin your relationship now. We hope that you can put this document in the bottom drawer and never look at it again. And you'll go, you know, that was an insurance policy that we took out. We never really needed it, but I'm glad we had it. It's the same as life insurance and everything else. Of You hope that you never have to rely upon it, but for the peace of mind knowing that you have it, that's a much greater thing for you to have. It sounds like it's a better way to for businesses to be proactive and to be in constant communication with their lawyer rather than to 
scramble at the last minute and try and pull something out of the bag? Yeah, look, certainly we've had clients come to us and they say, you know, we're having these issues, can you try and help us out? And unfortunately, I don't have a magic wand. If I did, I'd be a very happy person because there'd be a lot of people that I could help much quicker and much easier. But it's certainly a matter of if you talk to us, we can usually stop a problem from occurring rather than trying to solve a problem once it occurs. We, well, at least the very least, I prefer to be proactive rather than reactive. And if you've got everything nicely done up, then that's going to make everyone's lives much easier and much happier. I guess the uh, perception is that for a business starting up that's maybe looking to keep its costs low, the first thing to go is legal advice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, look, um, so I guess the perception is that legal advice is expensive. It, it's, not, it's not a cheap expense, unfortunately. It's probably the easiest way to look at it is it's a necessary expense, as, as painful as it may be. At Hill House, we're fairly strategic in how we structure ourselves. That's why we have our motto of simply strategic. We're not that creative for lawyers, but look, we, we try and simplify the process and do it as strategically as possible, which means a lot of bigger firms have big teams, which means lots of lawyers working on your matter from go to woe. At Hill House, we're relatively small teams, so it'd be you know me and one director potentially or just me working on a matter, and that consequently means less fees being incurred for you on an hourly rate basis, which means things come out cheaper. But also, I mean, we're mindful of the changing time, so to speak, and the increased technology available to law firms. There's a lot of software and programs out there that you can use to spit out documents for you much quicker and easier. So those documents that used to be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to get drafted now are only a few thousand dollars. So Things are getting cheaper in law, like all things in life. Lawyers seem to be at the uh, at the bottom of the barrel, just copying it. Where everyone goes, how do we make this cheaper? Because we don't want to pay for it. And look, that's great for the end user, the clients, because it means that you're getting that advice quicker, cheaper, and easier. And look, we try to be as responsive as possible, so that things get resolved as quickly and easily for you as humanly possible. Which again means that it comes out cheaper. So what what do you see happening in the next few years? Do you you know you've mentioned that technology is moving at a at a rate that um, is making things cheaper. What other progressions do you see in the industry? Look, I think the technology is going to be the the biggest thing for law, and it's going to be interesting to see the age demographic of lawyers shift a bit. We've seen women lawyers coming in and taking over the majority of new lawyers being admitted every year now, which is awesome. Hopefully we can start to see that really flow through and start to shift in the higher ups of the firms that we're we're working in, where you've got younger people at the top and a, a better demographic and gender diversity at the top of those firms as well because there's a lot of young people out there that have to do things the old way or the hard way in some firms because that's how it's always been done. But look, it's certainly shifting now and I think at the very least at our firm, we've got a relatively young directorship and they're very good at listening to the younger staff members and we're all pushing them to really adapt to the changing tech and as simple as things such as, you know, punching in a few details for clients' information and you can put it into a document creator and create a document relatively quickly and easily that just needs a few touch-ups. So it's making law quicker and easier, which is fantastic. 
I can imagine it must be challenging also to keep up with the way business is being done these days. I guess thinking back 15, 20 years ago, a business was a very simple model. It was a physical location and someone stood behind a counter and sold something. But now there's like so much sharing, like for example, the Uber model is being applied across so many different industries where people are basically individual contractors using their own assets, but there's like so much blurring of lines. That's one of the problems we see with startup businesses and businesses that come to us after they've been training for a few years where they go, oh, we've gone down this road and we're really happy with where we're going. We want to try and expand a little bit. You start looking at the business and they've got all these people engaged as independent contractors, but they're working really consistent shifts and the client has the say over when they're working and how they're working and other things. And people need to be really careful because there is a very fine line between an independent contractor and an employee and you want to be making sure that you're falling on the right side of that argument because there's an array of consequences in terms of leave entitlements and superannuation and other things that people can get caught out with if they're not considerate of of those issues. But also, I mean, everyone's relying more and more on their, their websites these days where you just buy things online and you don't really get to go into the shop anymore and you don't get to actually talk to salespeople or anything like that. And it's just, you know, I read what they were saying on their website and I relied on that, that what they were saying on their website and I bought this product and it just doesn't do what they said it would. And the problem there is, I mean, a lot of people with their website T's and C's just don't even think about it. It's something that comes with your website when you buy it from your developer. But website T's and C's are another thing that potentially can catch a lot of people out if you don't have them structured properly with warranties and disclaimers and privacy policies. I mean, Australia's got some really strict privacy laws, which some people don't really know about. And if you're shipping information off overseas to your backup servers and other things, you might be breaching those privacy laws. So, there's, there's a lot of things where tech and the circumstances of how we do business now are almost going and developing faster than the laws that govern how we do business. And that's creating a bit of grey, but lawyers like operating in grey to a certain extent. But when the grey is so grey that you don't actually know where you should be doing things and how things should be done properly, that's a real problem. And I don't think we're there yet, but if we don't keep an eye on it, we might end up in a bit of trouble potentially. And throw into the mix now that the world has become such a small place, despite the fact that we can't really travel with COVID right now, there's still, you know, you might have customers or clients in Asia or in America or in Africa or Europe, you know, and I guess having some sort of protection for international trade must be a minefield in itself. Well, that's that's the thing. And look, we've, as I say, we do work with people that are not only small mum and dad companies, but big international listed entities. And dealing with the UK or America, I mean, America is possibly the most litigious country in the world. They, You read through all of their contracts and they're all just, how are we going to screw you over if you do the wrong thing? And we're just going to sue you this, the very second that something doesn't go our way. And it's just brutal but if you want to do business with America then a lot of the time it's a matter of well I guess we're just going to have to sign up to these terms and conditions and a lot of people would probably just go yep okay well if we want to do business with this massive entity from the states we're just going to have to cop it on the chin and take their terms as as they dictate them 
again, that's not always the case. And a lot of the time, yes, you'll ask for 50 amendments to a contract and you might only get 10. But if we ask for 50 and get 10 for you, then that's 10 terms that are better off for you than you would have been if you hadn't spoken to us. And look, I I don't propose to have a magic wand that'll get you a magical agreement that's really good for you and has no drawbacks. But certainly, you know, any conversation I have with anyone, whether they're a client or not, is always a matter of, well, if I can improve your business or whatever it may be, even a minute amount, then I've done my job and I've helped you out as much as possible. And that's something that I strive to do when I'm talking with people and helping them out. That's really awesome. So what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Yeah, look, we've got a website, uh, hillhouse.com.au. We've also got LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all of those joyous things. We're part of the Coffee Commune. It's really great. We signed up to the Coffee Commune because it's doing the sort of things that we want to see in business in Brisbane. We get to work with like-minded professionals, build a really strong referral network. We wouldn't have signed up if we didn't believe in the people that are part of it and didn't want to work with them. And I think when you when you talk to the people here, you really get a good idea of just how great this can be and how great we can all be. And also, look, as the end user client, if you can come into one place and say, I need my lawyers, my accountants, I need my suppliers done, I need all of these other things in my insurance and so on and so forth, and you don't have to go anywhere else, you just get to go to the one place. That's like going to Ikea and having all your dreams come true. <laughs> the commune is the Ikea for the hospitality industry. <laughs> I think Phil needs to trademark that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Okay, so is there anything that you wish I had asked you? Oh, good question. Look, really, certainly probably just asking, you know, why talk to a lawyer? And really the answer just has to be, as far as I'm concerned, we're worth more than what you think not by time, but by what we can actually give back and help you with. People avoid us like the plague because they're afraid of the costs of talking to us and they're afraid of what we might say and how we might react. We're not that scary. We're just people and our job is to help you out. So I'm never going to tell someone that they've got a bad idea. I'll help them focus that idea and make it the best thing possible for them so that they can take that business from go to woe because I don't want to see someone's business struggle that I've helped set up. I'd much rather be able to help them get off the ground and go to their coffee shop or whatever it may be and have a coffee with them and say, this is fantastic, guys. I'm so glad you got here. And I've been able to do that a few times and hopefully I get to do that a few more. So you're offering uh, members of the coffee commune a way to do that, to come and meet you and have an initial consultation. What have you put together in the package for that? Yeah, look, Hillhouse is offering free 30-minute consult with uh, one of our staff, so whether it's one of the directors, myself or otherwise. I mean, look, that's to talk about any of your business needs, really, whether it's leasing, contracts, whatever it might be, supply agreements, feel free to give us a call, have a chat. Always happy to talk to anyone about their issues. And look, if I can save you a bit of heartache in half an hour, then that's going to be a half hour well spent, I think. So we'll link all the contact details in the show notes at the bottom of the description. It's been so great talking to you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks very much, Ray. Thank you for listening to the Coffee Commune podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate this show wherever you're listening.